Well, good morning, everyone. Turn to your neighbor and say good morning. Give them a big smile. Smile's always good. Lord, we thank you for the authority of the scripture. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is the one that takes words and changes hearts. So do that today. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're talking about being thankful. Would you repeat that, please? Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, by the way, let me see your Bibles. Did you bring a Bible with you? Excellent. Chapter 5, starting at verse number 13. See that no one repays another with evil for evil. Chapter 5, verse 13. But always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Verse 16. Rejoice. Help me out. Rejoice. Help me out. Rejoice. Thank you. Pray without. That is not sesame. That is ceasing. Verse 18, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances because he wants to help you. Now, um, next week is the 400th anniversary. of one of the first Christian worship services on this continent. 105 people came from Europe, came to Massachusetts, and that first winter was horrible. Out of 102, 42 died. Close to 50%. And so that next summer they decided... Some of us survived. We've lost husbands, wives, children. But we need to honor the Lord. We need to thank him for helping us, for feeding us, and getting us off to a start this fall. And that was the first Thanksgiving in Plymouth. Just because you're a believer, just because you love Jesus, doesn't mean you're going to have such an easy life. Matter of fact, you may have even a a more challenging life. Now, one writer said this when it comes to giving thanks. Thank you is the best prayer anybody could say. That person said, I try to do it on a regular basis because it expresses gratitude, humility, and the fact that I understand where I got what I have. Now, as we study this together, take notes. I just think we as followers of Christ should be the most grateful people on earth. What do you think? Should that be true of us? Would that be true of you? Would people talk about you and talk about how grateful you are every single day of your life? Now let's turn to Luke. Go to the left. Luke chapter 17. This is a true account, Luke chapter 17, starting at verse number 11. Are you there yet? You ought to mark this in your Bible. Verse 11, while Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing through Samaria and Galilee. He entered a village. And there were ten leprous men who stood at a distance, and they met him. Do you know why they stood at a distance? Because they were outcasts. They raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Have you asked the Lord for mercy? Hold your hand up. Have you asked the Lord to help you? I have, daily basis. Lord, help me. I can't do this. I need your help. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said to them, Okay, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed or they were healed. Verse 15. 
Now, all of them. Is that what it says? What does it say? Now, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, he turned back. The question is, do you turn back? He turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. He was an outsider. He was not Jewish. He didn't have the scriptures. He didn't have the understanding. He shouldn't have known this was important, yet the outsider knew. And the insiders didn't. We don't want to be like the nine. Yes, they were in a rough place. Yes, they were traumatized. Leprosy traumatizes people. I've seen lepers in Africa and lepers in India. It's a horrible, horrible deal. Today, there is a cure if you can get to a clinic. Back then, there was no cure. You had to be away from your family. You had to be out of the town. You had to live in the forest or the deserts. And there was no hope for you. There was no cure for you at this time. All of them were shown extreme mercy by the Lord Jesus. That means stuff that you didn't deserve. He did for you, which is true of me. Everything he does is merciful. And yet the nine, they had time to get healed. They had time to go back to work. They had time to go back to their families. They had the time to go to the priest. So the priest would say, yep, you're, you're healed. But the nine had no time to go back and simply say thank you. And Jesus asked a very telling question. Where are those guys? Weren't there ten healed? And only one took the time? So which class would you typically come out of? Are you more like the one? Or are you more like the nine? Most Christians probably don't pray much, but most Christians are kind of like Jimmy. Hey, Lord, I'm Jimmy. I'll take all you. Gimme. And there's very little gratitude. There's very little thanksgiving. There's very little love. It's just what can you do for me? It's almost like we ring a bell and he runs and does an errand for us. I wonder, have you prayed feverishly for God to help you and then the help came and then you forgot to even thank him. You know, if I help people over and over and over and they never say thank you, I have a tendency, my heart goes, I don't know if I want to play anymore. I'm just their servant. They don't really appreciate it. And I think God sometimes feels the very same way. Now, the, the guy that wrote this under, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul, the Apostle Paul, did he have an easy life or did he have a hard life? If you think it was easy, say yes. If it was hard, say yes. Oh, yeah. One of the hardest in history, one of the hardest in Scripture. And this is what he wrote. And we're going to do this about four times because I want you to think about it tonight. I want you to think about it this week. I want you to hear it enough that you know it by heart. Say it with me, please. In everything, give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a partial listing of just some of the sufferings of the guy that wrote this. And if you got time, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Some of you don't even know this is in the Bible. This guy was beheaded for his faith. Do you, do you realize that? Chapter 11, verse 24 of 2 Corinthians. Paul says five times... 
I received from the Jews who persecuted me 39 lashes. It was in the law. You could not beat a man with a whip 40 times because that would degrade him. But 39 times across the legs, the buttocks, the shoulder, being stripped naked, he would have been a bloody mess after every time. His back and legs would have been so scarred. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Could you imagine somebody take a half a rebar and beat your legs and arms with that? He says, once I was stoned. And the scripture leads us to believe he died and came back from heaven. Three times I was shipwrecked. One time I spent a complete 24 hours in the ocean hanging on to a plank. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles. Would you say he led a dangerous life? Dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren that acted like they were part of the team. Verse 27, I've been in labor, hardship, through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and too much exposure to the elements. Verse 28, then he says, the hardest thing I've dealt with apart from all these was the daily pressure on me of my concern for the churches in the body of Christ that just got started and may not make it that's pretty incredible and I just want you to know this is a guy that wrote this so say with me again in everything and if you're taking notes what does everything mean it kind of means what kind of means everything that means every day, every experience, every situation. Would you say that you are a grateful person? Overtly? Grateful for what? Do you remember to thank God for the big things? The good things, the little things, even the hard things in your life? In everything, say with me please, give, give thanks. That is a deliberate choice to offer praise, to make a decision, to verbally show my Gratitude. And po it's easy to do it when everything's going well. You just got the promotion. You got a new set of wheels. Everybody likes you. You just got married. You got everything going. But it really shows your faith when it's hard. To give thanks. And this is the tricky part, and I want to make sure we talk about this so the devil doesn't mess you up with this passage because he can take scripture and twist it. In everything, give thanks for this is God's will. What do you mean God's will, Steve? God's will for what happened? No, I'm not saying that. A lot of things that happen are not part of God's will. A lot of things that happen are dark and ugly and mean and horrible. I'm not saying thank God for that. There's a lot of tragic things that happen. Don't thank God for that. But it is God's will in the midst of the really hard things to express your trust. That is God's will. That you express your trust. In the midst of all this, whatever this is for you. 
And this will be all part of all of our lives until the, the day the Lord carries us home. Let me give you some examples. Have you ever been laid off? You ever been fired? You ever been embarrassed? Now, thank you, the Lord, because I lost my job, if that's you. Well, how can I thank the Lord? Thank the Lord. He's got a better job for you. Thank the Lord. He's going to give you favor. He's going to put your feet on a firmer place. He's going to lift you up. That's what you thank the Lord for. I was without a job one time for six months. I almost starved. I was working three little part-time jobs just to pay my bills. Well, I'm not thanking the Lord that I totaled my car in a wreck. I've totaled one car. Anybody ever totaled a car? Especially a car that you needed. But I am thanking the Lord that I escaped injury. I am thanking the Lord that nobody got hurt. I'm thanking the Lord that he protected me in the midst of this deal. I'm thanking the Lord that before I got up that morning, he knew that pickup truck would go through that stop sign. And he protected me. That's what I'm going to thank the Lord for. I'm not thanking the Lord, for instance, if your son or daughter is an addict. I'm not thanking the Lord that my daughter is an addict or my son, but I'm thanking the Lord that God loves her and God has his hand on her life. That God is speaking and God is bringing people to her and God is going to use her to be a mighty servant of the living God. I just don't know when, I don't know how, but I will thank the Lord. You will probably see more movement in the lives of your kids if you thank the Lord for what he's going to do. I'm not thanking the Lord that I had a moral failure or you had a moral failure. That's always a really bad choice. The devil wants to completely derail you and tell you you can't be forgiven and God won't use you again because this happened and you made that poor choice. But you know what we can thank the Lord for? Say it with me, please. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's not finished with me because I messed up. God can get me back on my feet and use me for his glory. And maybe you've got a tough illness right now. Yes, let's pray and ask the Lord's healing. Yes, let's believe and stand. But you may want to say, Lord, every day, 10 times a day, thank you, I'm getting better. Thank you by the blood of the lamb, I'm healed. Thank you that God's virtue is powerful for me. And the, the doctor or disease is not going to determine how long I live. You make that call. And I thank you that I'm going to finish my race strong. A number of years ago, I was talking to a witness and to a young woman in her 20s. I love to talk to people and see where they are. And I started talking to her about Jesus and she just stopped me. She said, I don't want to talk about Jesus. Why don't you talk about Jesus? Well, I don't trust God. I don't even like him. I go, why don't you trust God and why don't you like him? Because he took my grandmother and I loved her and I needed her. How long ago was it? Five years ago. She was the anchor of my life. She was the support in my life. I've been adrift ever since my grandmother passed away. I was just curious. I was surprised at what she said. I said, well, how, how old was your grandmother when she passed? She, I said, she said she was 97. I said, well, honey, your grandmother lived a long time. Do you not figure that out? Then I asked her another important question. I said, I'm just going to make a guess. Did your grandmother love Jesus? And she said, oh, yeah, she loved Jesus, and she was a woman of prayer. She was a center of our family. I go, so wait a minute. Hang on just a minute. So you're going to be mad at God because your grandmother went home to be with him in heaven forever, but you're not going to go to heaven because you're mad at God when he gave you the most awesome woman on the planet to help you. What's wrong with that picture? 
See how the devil gets us focused on the wrong things? In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for who? God's will for who? I'm sorry, God's will, God's will for who? For you, me and you. Why? Because God's got a personalized plan for all of us in this room. We're all unique. We're all different. We're all special. We're all loved. And he wants to use this, no matter what this is, to benefit you, to help you, to lift you, to teach you. And then, like the thumb on the hand that allows you to grip a tennis racket or a baseball bat, the thumb is what pulls it together. In this case, in Christ Jesus. Say it please, in Christ Jesus. And the point is, inside of Christ, this works really good. If you're outside of Christ, it doesn't work so good. He's our king. He's our sovereign. He's our heavenly father. And this is the pattern that he wants his sons and daughters to work with. He designed it. And let me give you some reasons why gratitude is a really, really good thing. Let's define it right off the bat. Essentially, gratitude is not taking things for granted. Have you ever noticed how we take things for granted, the freedoms we have in this country, the job that we have, the place to sleep, the chance that we have a car, the, fa the fact that we have some people that love us, and the opposite of gratitude is ingratitude, which is a poison. I remember my first trip to India. We were working with a ministry that had about 15, 20 orphanages. And I would see these Indian kids get up in the morning and they would break a twig and use that twig as a toothbrush. I'd see him by hundreds out in the field doing that. I remember sitting down on a stone floor in one of the dormitory rooms, stone floor, single light bulb, 30 beautiful little Indian girls, orphans come up and I sat on the floor and they came up around me and they wanted to touch my skin like, what is wrong with this guy? They had never seen a white dude before. We had the best time. I couldn't communicate with them. I didn't have an interpreter. I drew little pictures of my wife. They weren't very nice. House, church, you know, my dog, my cat, my boys. And they just loved it. And I just had all 20 of them all over my back and my neck. And then when it came time for breakfast, might have been lunch, they got one meal a day. And they got little tin pie plates and they had a single plate of rice. That's all they had. And I watched these eight or nine little girls get on their knees in their one little dress and lift their pan of rice up to the Lord and sing a song of praise. That's gratitude. We gave them Christmas presents. We didn't have much. It was on the spot. We went to the market and bought them some washcloths. 20 cent washcloth. You would have thought we would have given them $300. We gave them one crayon. That's all we had. So you got 600 kids getting one crayon. They were so happy with one crayon. I felt sorry for the kid. I gave him a white crayon, which didn't absolutely no good, you know, nothing. I just, I'm sorry. That's all I got. But I think about our kids, what they would want for Christmas and how disappointed they would get if it wasn't $12 million worth of stuff. Gratitude makes us take notice of what God is doing. Our problem is we don't take notice. We are too busy to take notice. Do you take notice? Do you know what God did for you yesterday? Can you recount what he did for you last week? This should be a spiritual discipline of people that love Jesus. We take notice 
of what he does on a regular basis, which produces gratitude. Because we see his kindness and his generosity. Point number three, gratitude takes our focus off of ourselves. Would anybody in this room say, I'm a tad bit selfish, say, oh me. So we think life is about us. We think life is about our needs. We think about life is about what we should have or what didn't happen to us. Gratitude helps us be less self-centered, which is always a huge win. And if you cultivate the gift of gratitude, it will solve a lot of mental health and emotional struggles because you take your eyes off yourself. And you think about the Lord and you think about other people that you can help. You don't have time to worry about yourself. Forget yourself. You'll be healthier if you do. Say it with me again, please. In everything, give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Point number four. It makes us appreciate the life that God has given to us rather than being envious of somebody else's family, somebody else's house, somebody else's skill set. Jesus told the story about some managers that when the when the king left, he put resources in the hands of three of his top managers. A talent was a an amount of wealth. One guy got five talents, one guy got two talents, one guy got one talent. If I got the one talent, I should be grateful that I have one. Not coveting the guy with five. Maximize what he's given me because I'm going to give an account one day for what I did with my one talent. And when we take our eyes off ourselves, we stop being jealous of other people. It produces a word that us Americans don't hear much and don't understand. It's this word contentment. Would you repeat it, please? Contentment. What is contentment? Short definition. It means you're satisfied. You're at rest. You stop competing with other people. You enjoy what you have. It doesn't mean you don't work hard. It doesn't mean you don't have dreams. It doesn't mean you don't want to take your one or two talents and multiply them. It doesn't mean that. But it means you stop envying other people's stuff. You're content. Could you lose everything in this life and still be content because you have him? Say this with me, please. Paul said, I learned a secret. Say it with me. Not that I speak from need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Say this with me too, please. I know how to get along with little. I know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Then he clenches it by saying, why? Because I know I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. It's not about me. It's not about me. If the Lord moved me to Ethiopia, could you be happy? If he moved you to Kansas City, could you be happy? If you lost your job, could you be content? Your pastor suggests that all of us go on a short-term mission trip. If you've been on a short-term mission trip, hold your hand up. I want to see it. Hold your hand up. Excellent. I went on my first one at age, I guess I was 30, with Larry Cochran. Changed my life. Messed me up, changed my life. 
I've been on one every year for all these years. It makes you grateful. And here's why I go. Yeah, I want to help people. I go for myself first. Because I know I have a selfish heart. I know I'm self-centered, arrogant, and I get my priorities all strong but, uh, off. But when I go and help people who really need help, and that's all I'm doing is loving Jesus and helping people, it makes my heart get in line with what Jesus really cares about. Amen. My mentor that died two weeks ago, Howard Fultz, who died at age 82, mighty servant and missionary. I went to Ethiopia with him on the, my first trip. City, a country the size of Alaska. At the time, it was the poorest country in the world. Ethiopian people were just beautiful. We went to go help pastors. They were mobilizing pastors to reach all the unreached people groups in this country. And the Presbyterians, the Lutherans, the Pentecostals, the Methodists, everybody was working together like no other country on the face of the earth. And so our little church, Church of the Savior, we adopted five of those missionaries for five years. So those missionaries, we, we provided $50 of support every month for five missionaries. These men live totally off $50 a month. And one day I got to meet the five our church was supporting. Enjoyed it. Had to have an interpreter. The last guy changed my life. I'll never be the same after I met the last guy. I don't even remember his name. He was about a third my size. He walked up. He had one leg. He had one little pair of dirty shorts, and he had one dirty polo shirt. I've been on crutches about three or four times through sports injuries, and I know what a crutch is like. His crutch blew me away. His crutch was a broomstick. With no cross piece. To go under your arm. I remember how sore my arms were for being on crutches a long time. This guy came up to me with his one leg. He didn't have a shoe on his, his remaining foot. And he's got this broomstick shoved in his armpit. I'm going, oh my goodness. How does he do it? He had a Bible under his other arm. He introduced himself to me. I mean, we're standing six feet apart through an interpreter. And I said, where, did, where is your church that you pastor? And he looked at me, and through the interpreter, he said, what, which church? I said, you got more than one? He said, yes. I said, how many churches do you have? I have six. I had one. He had six churches. And I went, how do you get to your churches? He said, I walk. I'm going. And I said, how far apart are your churches? 60 miles. Some of the greatest heroes in heaven are people nobody ever knows. Because they're grateful that Jesus would call them. Grateful that Jesus would use them. They didn't make excuses. They didn't complain about their lot in life. They just went for it. Five. Gratitude pushes away discouragement and depression. I don't know if you've ever wrestled with depression. I have. Discouragement. I have. This is the most important thing I'll say today. This is my experience. Well, how does it work, Steve? This is how it works. This may be not be in your notes, but I want you to write in the margin. 
Are you ready? Here it goes. Essentially, you and I can only focus on one thing at a time. Some of us that are master multitaskers may be dealing with seven things, but it's focus is back and forth. Essentially, you're focusing on one thing. When you focus on gratitude and what God has done for you, you don't have time to be down about what's not happening for you. And you shift into worship of the great high king. And it lifts your spirit. It gives you hope. It makes you want to continue the fight. Because the promise, I, I can say this, I believe the promise is nothing will turn around in your life. Your mood will not change. Your attitude, your depression, discouragement will not change. Nothing changes until you worship. And it, the easiest way is to start offering things for what God has done for you. Because when I start worshiping by saying thank you for my wife, Thank you for my children. Thank you for my church. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Then I start seeing the opportunity that God has got that I didn't see until I started worshiping. And the burden is lifted. Six. Gratitude makes us generous with other people. Well, how does that work, Steve? Let me tell you. If you're grateful for God's love and you're grateful for the mercy God has shown you, you're going to be focused on God's love and God's mercy. Therefore, you're going to be more loving with other people and more merciful to other people. If you're focused on how forgiven you've been by God when you don't deserve it, you'll be forgiving of other people. If you're grateful, has God been patient with you? Yes or no? Oh, man, he's been so patient. Well, if you focus on God's patience, you'll be patient with other people. And if you remember all the times he helped you, you'll be glad to turn around and help other people. Say it with me again, please. In everything, give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Point number seven. Giving thanks is important when things are good and easy. Yeah, I get that. We should do that. When everybody loves you, everything's going great. But it's far more important to be thankful when nothing's going right. Dear Paul and Silas, and preaching the gospel in Philippi, and they cast a demon out of a poor girl who was trafficked. They go to prison for it. They're beaten big time. At midnight, they make a conscious decision. We need to start worshiping. We need to start thanking God for what he's doing. Acts chapter 16. <clears throat> and that teaches us to appreciate the good, appreciate the bad. Especially when we don't know how it's going to turn out. When we release our pain and go into gratitude, God says, okay, my daughter sees it now. She wouldn't let me work earlier because she was so trapped in her ingratitude. Now she's ready. And I'm going to do my best work for her in her and through her today because she started just now trusting me again. You may be going through a really hard thing right now. You may be so messed up. You may be hurting so bad. 
you barely even got to church, but you didn't even want to come. I've been there too. Well, how do I pray, Steve? I don't even know how to pray. Well, here's just a sample prayer. Heavenly Father, I don't like this. I don't understand this. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I'm so confused. I'm so broken right now. And frankly, you might as well be honest with him. Until you get honest with him, you won't be honest with yourself. I'm scared, Lord. I don't know what to do, Lord. But I thank you that you have my back. You've got my front. My life is in your hand. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. You know the end from the beginning. And you said it was going to be good. And I'm willing to wait, Lord. I'm willing to wait until you resolve this deal, until you write the next chapter, because I know we're going to get through this. Now, I want to say to you parents or grandparents, when things are not going good in your family, your children, your spouse needs to see you trusting and believing. You need to be able to say to your children, I know it's horrible right now. I know we don't know how this is going to turn out, but we trust the Lord because he's our father and he's going to get us through this. But we have to stay together. We have to help each other. So when I'm down, I want you to be up. When you're believing and I'm not, help me to believe because we're going to get through this. Someone say amen. Point number eight is contagious. What do you mean it's contagious? Faith is contagious. Gratitude is contagious. If you're kind to a waitress that's having a hard day, you give her a good tip, you tell her you're going to pray for her, it can lift her and the entire restaurant. When you go into work believing and trusting and being grateful, it can lift everybody in the office. Your children need to know that their mama is a woman of faith and a woman of gratitude. Now, gratitude is contagious, but also complaining and criticism are also very, very contagious. It's actually deadly. If you're prone to criticism, I have been. If you're prone to complaining, it can kill your marriage. It can kill your family. It can kill your office. It can kill churches. And it will take your future from you. And frankly, I think the Lord doesn't appreciate it. Yeah, I can tell him when I'm down. But if I'm speaking fear and unbelief and complaint all the time out of my mouth, The Father knows I don't understand anything. In Numbers, he said to Moses, these people, your people, Moses says, they're not my people, they're your people. And God says, no, they're not my people, they're your people. They have hurt me 10 different times by their words. 21 different times. The scripture says the people of God murmured against God. Murmured. Murmured. Said things like, hey, we got no food. What's wrong with that, God? Hey, words of water. What's wrong with that, Lord? We don't like the stuff you gave us. What's wrong with that? We want cheeseburgers. No pickles. You brought us out here to kill us. What's wrong with that? Who made you guys leaders? How about this one? We had it so much better in Egypt. What? What did you say? Or even this one. Why does Clemson win all the time? What is that murmuring? That murmuring. Your pastor needs to tell you his dirt. Is that okay if I tell you my dirt? Years ago, Sue and I had been married five years This was my first little church, and that was a gravel parking lot. I was getting paid. 
I guess $5,500 a year commuting to Asbury. We were living in a little dirty, shoddy house. And I'm going to pray. There's a road, a mile and a half long road I would pray down every day. 30 minutes down, 30 minutes back. And I started my prayer time. I was right kind of in front of that door. And the Holy Spirit spoke as clear to my heart. And he said this, I want you to shut up. Everyone say, Pastor, shut up. Go ahead, help me out. Shut your mouth. And then he said this, I want you to stop criticizing your wife today. He downloaded for me in 15 seconds a big old deal. He said, you're the nag in this family. You start all your discussions with your wonderful wife. You should. You need. Why don't? And he said, I'm tired of it. He said this, take your claws out of her neck and shut your mouth. You're the problem in the marriage. You're standing between me and her. If anything comes out of your mouth to sue, it should only be to lift her and edify her. Do you understand? Literally in the parking lot, I did this. Yes, sir. There was a grace placed on me. And pretty much at that moment, I stopped criticizing her. I felt a freedom. Guess what happened to my wife? When I got the freedom and I stopped running my mouth, guess what happened? She had felt freedom. It changed our marriage. Because I stopped complaining and criticizing. Two years later to the day, I'm starting to pray and I'm in the same spot in that gravel parking lot and the Holy Spirit said to me, I mean, I, I, I didn't expect him to speak back to me. And he said, okay. I went, okay, what? He said, where is she today? I went, oh my Lord. She's doing everything I always wanted her to do without me saying a word. I said, Lord, I believe. He said, I believe too. (laughs) Point number 10. Worship team, would you guys come on out, please? How do you get to be a grateful person? Here's my suggestion. You got to make it a part of your prayer life. It's got to be intentional. As a brand new Christian, the guy that mentored me this, that started Crusade, Campus Crusade at Clemson, I asked him one day, I said, Jerry, I don't know how to pray. How, how do you pray? And he said, well, I'll give you a simple little formula that we use here in, in Crusade here at Clemson, and it's an acronym, ACTS, A-C-T-S. It's adoration, Steve. I did this for 15 years, probably every day. Start your time off by worshiping. Start your time off by telling the Lord how much you love him. Tell him how much you appreciate and care for him. It's a love relationship. Adore him. That's why you were created. See, confession. Everyone say confession. If you messed up, if you choose wrong, if you got ornery, confess it. Confess it. Then T, thanksgiving. Thank the Lord every day for what he did for you the day before. Don't ask him for his help and then he supplies it and then you don't have the character to thank him for what he did the day before. He bailed you out. The last one is supplication, which is supplies. It's the help. Intercession for others and petition for what I need. Point number 11. It's a choice to be grateful. It's a choice to be thankful for life, no matter where you live, no matter what you have, no matter what you don't have, who's with you, who's not with you. 
It is a decision. And no matter how difficult your path, you can be grateful knowing he is with you all the way. He's not going to give up. He's not going to turn his back. He's not going to throw you to the curb. He's with you and he will get you through every single trial if you listen to him. So here's my counsel to get you started. You may be hurting today. You don't know what to do. Here's where you start. This afternoon, get a notebook. Make a list of everything you can think of that you're thankful for. Write it down. You'll be surprised once you start writing. You will fill up pages and your heart will soar and your love and trust will increase. Here's another suggestion. This week, try this week. Attempt to spend one hour in prayer by yourself asking for nothing but thanking the Lord for everything you can think of. When I was about 30, I enrolled at Asbury Seminary. That's how I got here. And I accepted a job as a youth pastor in a little church in Maysville. It was a two-hour drive. I was taking overloads to graduate. I was running four ministries in that little church and had a two-hour drive at 8 o'clock classes, which meant I had to leave at about 5.30 in the morning. And had a two-hour drive in the afternoon. And I would get so tired. You know how many seminary students and college students died on Highway 68 by going to sleep? I was one of those that almost did it. That's Maysville. That's a little church where I was working. I think they paid me 10 grand for a year. And I stayed in a little bitty shell of a house, my wife and I did. One particular day, I was so tired. I finished up my classes about three. I got in my car to drive and somewhere along Brannon Road, I was so tired. I was just, I was beside myself. I just said, Lord, I can't stay awake. I can't hold my eyes open. I've been up all night doing papers for a week. I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to cross the center lane and hit somebody or drive into a telephone pole. I don't know what to do. Please help me. And then it got quiet. And I heard a little whisper. Start thanking me for the blessings I've given you. I didn't want to, but I said, okay, Lord. And I started just rattling off all the things God had done for me, the good people, the ministries that changed lives. Two hours later, I pulled up in Maysville at that little house. The Holy Spirit had filled that car. I was a blubbering mess. And when I cut my car off in front of that house, my tears had wet the entire upper part of my shirt. And I learned the power of gratitude. And I would urge you this winter, start with cultivating the power of gratitude every day. I want to pray a prayer we're going to have some altar time because the response is more important than anything else to respond to whatever he would say to you not me but him we're going to open the altars maybe you need a spirit of gratitude because you've been ungrateful you've been preoccupied you didn't have time to swing back and say Lord thank you for being so good to me So let me pray. Father, we ask during this holy moment 
you'd release a spirit of grace in this room and on the web. Release a heart that wants to be grateful. And Lord, as we humble ourselves before you, replace, Lord, our worry and concern with thanksgiving today. Come to the altar now. Humble yourself and ask him for a spirit of gratitude. Come now. Find a place. Humble yourself. Lord, we want to be like the Samaritan. We want to notice what you've done for us. We want to notice how good you've been to us. We want to thank you for the people that loved us, the people that helped us. Lord, we want to thank you even for the hard things, the trials, the difficulties, the disappointments, the heartbreaks, knowing that you've always been right there for us. Lord, release faith in this room and trust. And as we ask for a heart of praise and gratitude, release it this morning, Lord. Release it this morning. Release it this morning.
Let's give the Lord praise today. I shared um, this word in last service, and just in case it wasn't for anyone in that service, um, in case it was for one of you or someone online, I had a dream last night of someone who was caring for someone who um, had a long-term disability. And um, it was like in my dream, I saw how hard that, that it just day after day was wearing that person down. And um, I feel like the Lord wants to tell them, well done. And just how much he loves them and to give them new strength and new hope today. So if you feel like that word is for you, whether you're in here or whether you're online, um, I just feel like the Lord wants to bless you specifically today. If you want to come up to the front for prayer. Jesus, thank you for being so sweet to meet with us today. Thank you that you love us with an everlasting love right where we are. We commit to enter your courts with thanksgiving and praise for the rest of our life. And if you've anyone here that's never given their heart to Jesus, would you just say with me, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of every sin and wash me clean. I give you my life today. Be my Savior and Lord forever. And I will serve you. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. Slip out quietly, people, to do business with the Lord. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us at Church of the Savior online today. We hope you are encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.